we are continuing a series uh, called Endgame. And here was the heart of it. We see end time events taking place right before our very eyes, yes? And so I, I heard this uh, this week that the hurricane season, hurricane and tropical storm season, this is the most storms, it's been the most active season ever on record. Dude, it is just crazy. There's so much going on with fires, and then you talked about the virus and just different things that are going on. We are living in, I believe, where the beginning of the end time pains are starting to, to take place. And so we as a teaching team came together and said, okay, so what, what do we want to teach? Do we get into uh, the minutia of all the little end time details in the word of God? Or do we get into where does God want our hearts to be in the midst of the end times? And we really felt for this series, not to say that we won't teach on end times at some point and all the details, but for this series, we felt like God wanted us to go into where does he want our hearts? And we saw, as we were looking through scripture, a ton of parables that actually started with the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of heaven. And it really spoke about where our hearts, where Jesus wants our hearts to be in the midst of that. And so I'm going to try to tackle Matthew chapter 13, which has seven parables. You guys ready? You guys ready? We need to pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you right now and we ask that you would just, um, you would give us divine direction right now. Lord, help us to understand um, these parables. Help us understand how to apply them into our lives. Give us understanding to these parables so that it can help us to understand where you want our hearts to be in the midst of times um, that are crazy now and that could potentially get crazier, crazier later. And so, Lord, help us to put our hearts in that proper place. And, Lord, we thank you for these things in your name. And everybody said... Amen. Okay, so here's what I'm going to do. Um, I'm going to read through uh, a couple of these. Um, when I was reading through in the study, um, there was a section that I want to start with, so I'm going to kind of bounce back and forth a little bit, um, but I'm going to start in verse 10, because Jesus begins by telling the parable of the sower, and in verse 10, when he gets done telling the parable, the disciples, they respond this way. The disciples came to him and asked why do you speak to people in parables? Have you ever wondered that? Why did he just not tell them the direct truth? How about this? Have you ever wondered why God speaks to you in parables? Do you ever feel like the way that he speaks to you isn't real direct, that he uses someone or something or whatever it may be to actually make you dig into his word or maybe dig into him to find out what's going on instead of just, wouldn't it be so nice, church, if God would just simply audibly go, hey, Dan, do this. Fill in your name there. Wouldn't that be so much better? I find myself thinking, well, God, why is it that you do this? Why is it that you teach this way? Why don't you just speak audibly? And here the disciples are, are like, hey, Jesus, why do you do this? Why do you speak in parables? And this is what Jesus replied. Because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will, whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing they do not see, Though hearing, they do not hear, 
or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. Now let me set this up before he quotes this. What he is quoting is when Isaiah, if you remember the, the, the book and the prophet of Isaiah, um, he is, chapter 11, he's actually being touched by a coal with his lips so that he could have the words of God. And then God tells him this, or asks him this, who will I send? Who will I have that will go and proclaim my word? And Isaiah says, here am I, send me. And then God gives him this word for the people that he was gonna go to. How encouraging is, is this? Listen to this. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Other ways they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn. And I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes because they see, and your ears because they hear. For truly I tell you, many prophets and righteous people longed to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. And then he proceeds immediately to explain the parable of the sower, which we'll talk about in just a minute. This word jumped out of the Bible to me when I was reading this in study and preparation for this. The word understand. It's used five times in 10 verses, okay? Three in what I just shared and two more in the ex explanation of the parable of the sower. Um, and it just jumped off the page and I thought, you know what? I wonder what's there for us. And this is my hope and this is my prayer that whether you're here in person or you're watching online right now, that you would grab a hold of this idea. Jesus taught in parables because he wanted us to actually understand what he has for us and to apply ourselves to that understanding. Okay, so get this. The word understanding means this. To set together, it's to join facts into a comprehensive whole. And if you look it up on Bible Hub, it actually goes on and says this, closely connected to discerning and doing the preferred will of God. Closely connected to discerning and doing the preferred will of God. Now this resonated with me in a huge way because one of the things that I feel like God has really challenged me with is, is he's, I just keep thinking about this over and over. What is the difference between my opinion and the discernment of the Holy Spirit. If any of you have a really good answer to that, I would love you to email me and send me how you understand the difference between your opinion and the discernment of the Holy Spirit. And I felt like the Holy Spirit was actually showing me a lot of it comes from that word understanding. We have to desire it. We have to want it. I put in my notes, I believe it's a position of our soul. Now let me go back and make sure that we're on the same page. Our soul is our mind, will, and emotions. It's our mind, will, and emotions. We are made up of spirit, soul, and flesh. And I know I've taught this, but just to make sure, again, everybody's on the same page, I believe that our soul is 
in the midst of a battle between our flesh and our spirit, our mind, our will, and our emotions. What we think, the things that we do, the feelings that we have, they all are being fed by either our spirit or our flesh. And I've taught that, I don't have enough time to go into this, but here's what I want you to recognize. Both our flesh and our spirit are trying to give us understanding to something. It's trying to put together a picture for us because I believe all of us want to understand what in the world is going on. And when an end times thing begins to happen or as we're seeing them, there is something in me, I don't know about you guys, but I wanna be able to put all the pieces together and I wanna know why everything is taking place, yes? But here's what it's doing for me. It's driving me to him. Because the more this chaos goes on, the more I realize I have no idea. Anybody? I find myself very small, very finite, and understanding more and more that he is infinite and he has all the answers. And so I would submit to you this. God wants us, church, to take our thoughts, to take what we do, to take our feelings, and actually try to apply understanding to those things. And it's really a position of where is your soul? Where are you gonna place your thoughts? Where are you gonna place your will? Where are you gonna place your feelings? Are you going to let your flesh feed them, or are you going to let the Spirit feed them? And I felt like what the Lord was saying is, Grab a hold of this word understanding because that is a key element to this. I want to read you Matthew 13, 11 through 13 in the Amplified. It says this, Jesus replied to them, to you it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been granted. Church, I'm going to stop right there. If you've asked Jesus into your heart, you are those that God wants to give you the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. Do you believe that? He wants you to have these things. As a matter of fact, Jesus said before he goes, it is better that I go so that you can receive the Holy Spirit because he will tell you what is to come. Oh, I, I hope you're getting this because here's the truth. We need to stop going to the news channels and to whatever social media you're going and we need to go to God and get what's coming. Not from the social media sites or the websites or the news sites. We need to get our information from the Holy Spirit. Yes? And so get this. Jesus replied to them, to you it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been granted. For whoever has spiritual wisdom because he is receptive to God's word, to him more will be given, and he will be richly and abundantly supplied. But whoever does not have spiritual wisdom because he has devalued God's word, even what he has will be taken away from him. This is the reason I speak to the crowds in parables, because while having the power of seeing, they do not see. And while having the power of hearing, they do not hear, nor do they understand and grasp spiritual things. I love the Amplified. It just speaks a little louder, doesn't it? Could it be? Hmm. 
Could it be our love for this word or our devaluing of this word greatly affects how much we will understand about what is going on in our lives right now? I found myself when I was praying, hoping and, and praying for you that you would understand how important this word is that we have to get into his word. We live in a time right now, church, we live in a place where they are trying to devalue this word, yes? They have taken it out of schools. They are trying to take it out of everything that it makes, the, what makes America so great, but they're trying to take it out of the world, period. They're trying to take the word out because they know that if they can get the word to be devalued, guess what? The understanding from the infinite God goes away and if that goes away then guess what we can be controlled we can be influenced we can be directed by things that aren't truth because then all of a sudden there is really no truth right it's kind of grasping at the wind but what Jesus taught the disciples is this hey listen I make you dig a little bit I make you go after it why? Because it puts you in a position where you have to come after me and not after the things of the world. And so church, I want to challenge you. Be lovers of the word of God. Now, here's what's interesting. Jesus said this. Paul says it in Ephesians in a different way. Ephesians 5.15. Be careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Yes? Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Okay, so real quick. Do not be foolish. I'm going to ask for your help at this point. When you hear the word foolish, do not be foolish. When you hear that word foolish, what comes to mind? Pride, okay. Anybody? Ignorance, okay. What? Insanity, okay. <laughs> Knowing what's right, but doing something different. Okay, that's good. Oh, I love that. I love that thought of foolish. Anybody else? Acting quickly before thinking. Ooh, that's really, that's a great definition of this. Love that. Anybody else? Would you all agree that if it says don't be foolish, we should probably know what foolish is? Yeah? Wasteful? Okay. Absolutely. Could be. I think all of these definitions are. I, listen, we should know what foolish is so that we are sure not to be it. Yes? Okay, so here's what it says. Foolish is to be without reason, lacking perspective because we are short-sighted. This is not at all what I thought foolish was. If I was going to answer it, I would probably answer some of the things that you answered. But this surprised me when I looked this up. Without reason, 
lacking perspective because we are short-sighted. In example, lacking the overall picture. It says, therefore, do not be foolish. Do not be short-sighted. Do not operate your life without reason. Do not lack the overall picture. Then it goes on, but understand. Guess what? Same word that Jesus used in Matthew 13 to put all the facts and all the pieces together to make a complete picture. Do you see the difference here? He's saying you can either live in a short-sighted manner or you can take the time and the effort to actually seek from the Holy Spirit the pieces that hold the whole picture together. And to be quite honest with you, this was incredibly convicting for me because I would like it to be easy. I want to come to my own opinion, make a decision based on that, and not go after God or any other counsel where I might get wisdom so I can get the whole picture. Yes? And this is the world we live in. We live in a world where people are just shooting off the cuff from their own opinion, very short-sighted, not getting the whole picture, not trying to put all the pieces together. And church, I'm just telling you, we will make a huge difference if we as the body of Christ will have this understanding where we go, Holy Spirit, give us understanding. Because if you'll give us understanding, we won't be short-sighted, but we'll be able to see the whole picture and we can be the answer to a hurting and lost world. You guys okay? It gets better. Romans 12.2. Again, Paul. He says this. Well, oh, sorry. Let me jump. I don't want to jump too far. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. This is Ephesians 5, 15 18. It says this. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. You know what? Until this week, I had always thought, well, God is just trying to compare uh, you know, drinking a lot of wine and the, the high, if you will, that comes from that, the good feeling that comes from that, and then being filled with the Holy Spirit. Because when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, oh man, there's a high with that, yes? Man, there's something that fills you with joy when you know that you know that you're responding to the Holy Spirit. When he speaks to you, when you get a revelation, when you open up this word and it sucks you in like that, ouch. When it pulls you in, there's, I, there is nothing like that. As a matter of fact, early on in my walk, I used to explain heaven would be just revelation after revelation after revelation because I was enjoying the revelation of God so much. I would get a nugget from the Lord and I would live on it all week long. Anybody? And so that's kind of the, the thought I had. But man, for the first time in my life, I, I just saw, oh my gosh, Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. You know what? You want this complete picture? We have to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We have to be led by Him. We have to be directed by Him. We have to make Him the number one priority above all things. Okay, this is where it's going to get a little tough, guys. Romans 12, 2 then goes on and says this. Do not conform to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. So we're supposed to understand what God's will is in Ephesians. In, in Romans it says, we will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, perfect will, if we will renew our minds. How do you renew your minds? You have to spend time with the Holy Spirit. 
you have to get into your word. And as these end times things continue to unfold, God's end game for you and I is that we would be more in our word than we've ever been. That we would be seeking the Holy Spirit more than we ever have been. Angela, who leads our intercessory prayer on Tuesday night, which you guys, seven o'clock, anyone can come out, seven o'clock Tuesday night, we just pray for city, church, but um, a few weeks back, she actually had these little crosses that she had us do, this little activity. I grabbed four of them, and I have one put in my pocket, and of course, I don't have it right now. <laughs> I had it in my shorts this morning, but I, ha- I put it in my pocket, and I just always have it in my pocket because I want to constantly be reminded, go to the, go to the Holy Spirit. Go to God. Go to God. And so when I reach in my pocket and I feel it, it's a trigger. Go to God. What do you do to make sure that you put him first? Because I, I find myself sitting in my hot tub going to God, but then by the time I get out and in my car, I'm right back in the Dan land. <laughs> and I'll go all day long And then lay down to go to bed at night and ask God, how'd I do? And he was like, well, you did great in the hot tub. (laughs) Um, And I'm trying to get that pattern to change because it's so easy to jump into our own thing. So I'm actually asking myself a question at the end of every night. And here's that question. Holy Spirit, remind me of a moment that you intervened in my life today. And I'm actually journeying late. And I'm just being open and transparent with you. I'm, I have been very shocked at the nights that I have sat down to journal and I couldn't come up with something. Why? Because I live my day in Danland. This is a new thing for me, Danland. I don't know where this comes from. But here's what I want you to grab a hold we are supposed to, you know, Romans 12, 1 actually says, this is your spiritual act of wor- worship. Give your whole body. Give, give everything you are to God. And then it says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Let's let the Holy Spirit begin to transform us. Here's how he wants to do it. He wants to start giving us understanding about what's going on in your life, in the world, in your church. He wants to give you understanding. 1 John 5, 19. So you have Jesus talking about understanding. You have Paul talking about understanding. Now we have John. 1 John 5, 19 through 20. It says this. We know that we are children of God and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. Now what's interesting to me is that both in, in Paul's and here in John, we're talking about evil times. And then the next thing, we know also that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. So Jesus came, he died, he gave us the deposit of the Holy Spirit. Why? So that we could have understanding, so that we could know him. Okay, so here's my question. What is the condition of your soul? As I'm speaking this, does it stir a desire in you to gain more understanding? Or is there kind of like, I don't know if I want to put all the effort in. And I'm not going to ask anybody, but I do want you to 
Go into yourself right now and ask. Ask yourself, is the number one most important thing in my life this idea of getting the whole picture, getting understanding from the Holy Spirit so that I can walk in my, my life the way that God wants me to? Or is my house more important or my job more important? Or my kids more important or my spouse more important? Or my boat more important? Or my video games more important? Or my shopping more important? Now, remember, there's no condemnation in those who serve the Lord. I'm not shouting these things out to make anybody feel bad, but I do want the Holy Spirit to come in and challenge us. Are we going after God with everything that we have, or would we rather go after something else? Because in these times, and as they get crazier, church, I'm just here telling you, I'm warning you right now, that if you don't practice this now, you're going to have a really hard time when it really gets tough. You know what? I don't know where you are. If you're a pre-tribulation, we get raptured. You're a mid-tribulation, we get raptured. A post-tribulation, we get raptured. I actually have heard a teaching where we don't actually get raptured, but the evil ones get raptured. I, so I, I've heard all kinds of different teachings on this, but here's what I want you to know. If we are pre-trip, then okay, hallelujah, great. But if we are mid-trip, if we are post-trib, it means you're gonna go through some hard times. And what you do today will establish and develop a pattern for what you do in that time. Are you seeking God for understanding in the little trials you're having now so that you can do it in the big trials when they come? Okay, now, that's the challenge. I feel like these seven parables, and we're not going to go really into much detail on them, but I feel these seven parables have great insight from Jesus. I think he did this on purpose. Do you think he does things on purpose? Do you think that he knew exactly what was happening? You know, he starts to tell this parable, and before he can even finish his, the explanation of the parable, the disciples are like, what in the world's going on? Why are you doing this? And he says, hey, I'm doing this so that you will have understanding because God wants to give you understanding. And he knew that they were going to have the Holy Spirit and that the Holy Spirit would be speaking these little nuggets of understanding for them so that they could know him more. And so he's telling them this. And then he jumps out of that and explains the parable of the sower. So let me read it real quick. I'm going to jump to Hebrews, or I mean, sorry, Matthew 13, verse 3. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the same sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has hears. Whoever has ears, let him hear. Disciples are like, okay, why are you doing this? We just talked about that. Jesus explains it, and he comes right out of the explanation with this. 
Listen to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy, but since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what is sown. Also, real quickly, let's break this apart real quick. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. What does this look like? Help me out. DJ, do you have the mic right there? I'm going to. Did you have your hand up? Who had their hand up? I thought somebody. Okay. Yes, over here. People stop dreaming with God. People stop dreaming with God. Whew. Okay. Somebody else. We're going to get DJ steps in tonight. Um, I think the beaten path just represents like a way of thinking that everyone is made common. And so it actually takes away people's ability to think critically. Like that's what that represents. Take, oh, that's good. Okay. Well, somebody else. <laughs> One side of the room to the next. Listen to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. Um, it comes to a point where your own understanding and God's understanding have to merge, and you have to let go of your own, your own pride, your own um, desires for truth. And if you can't give up, that up and listen to God's truth, then you're ultimately serving two masters at that point, and that's where mm. that div div division comes. Mm. It's good. Anybody else? In praying through this, this is kind of what I felt like God gave me. I think that there's a whole lot of people in churches today that when they read the word of God or when they hear a message, the immediate thing that happens is they go, I don't get it. And then they give up. Why do they give up? Because could their hearts be in a different place? Or could it be because they don't have this understanding that, hey, it's this understanding that God wants to give you that actually begins to lead you to places that he has for you to get the whole picture? Could it, Mason, 
DJ, we got. <laughs> Maybe they don't trust the character of God enough to know that he has provided a correct answer. Maybe they don't trust God enough. I, here's, here's what, in, in praying through this, here's just what I got a picture of. When a word goes out or when somebody opens up their Bible, I can't tell you how many times I've heard as a pastor that somebody will open up their word, read it, and go, I just don't get it, so I gave up. Anybody? Church, go through, push through, press on. Don't give up. Don't give up. Keep into your word. Keep going after it. Ask the Lord to give you a desire for understanding. Before I go any further, I need to make sure this is crystal clear. Some of you listening to me right now are probably really struggling with, I don't know if I want to put in the work to actually put myself to get to that soft place where the soil is open. And so whether it's a hard heart or it's the cares of the world, the enticement of wealth or a trial or tribulation, whatever it is, they all steal the word, yes? That you would be in, your, in a position where you're listening to me right now and you're like, I just don't know if I want to go after that. Ask the Holy Spirit to give you a desire for it. Ask God to give you that desire. We can't make ourselves hungry, but the Holy Spirit can come in and do it. Yes? And so if that is where you are right now as you're listening to me, then don't pay attention to anything else I say, but just start praying to God, give me a desire to have an understanding. Give me a desire to understand your word more. Give me a desire to want it. Because here's what I've experienced, that if you open this book with the attitude of, I'm not going to receive anything, guess what you're gonna get? Nothing. And I think that's what Jesus was trying to tell us, is whether your heart is hard, or the cares of this world, the pursuit of wealth and money, or trials and tribulation, whatever it is, they're all there to rob and steal and take away. And the only one here in this parable about the kingdom of heaven that multiplies is that, that heart that is ready and open. And so go before God and ask him to make your heart ready and open. Okay, now these all tie together. Here's what's the beauty of it. These are all gonna tie together. The next parable he tells is the parable of the weeds. And I don't have enough time tonight to read it all, but basically, here's what the parable is. There's a man, it says the kingdom of heaven is like, and there's a man who seed, puts wheat out into the ground. But it says then an enemy comes and puts weeds in there. And when they start to grow, they begin to realize, though they look awfully close together, um, or the same, they begin to realize, oh my gosh, there's wheat and there's a ton of weeds. And so the servants say, well, should we pull the weeds out so the wheat can grow? And the master said, nope, let them keep growing. And when the time of harvest comes, then we'll be able to quickly and easily see the difference between the wheat and the weeds. We will pull the weeds out, we will throw them in a furnace, and then we will harvest the wheat. This is a parable that Jesus tells about the kingdom of heaven. It reminds me of what we talked about a couple of weeks ago when we talked about the separation between the sheep and the goats, yes? And so here is my quick summary because I want to get into the other ones. Here's my quick summary of this. The kingdom of heaven 
we all need to understand that even though we live in a world where there are wheat and weeds, and we're all kind of living in this life together, there is going to be a time where there is going to be a separation. And if you find yourself right now thinking, well, why does this person get this and I'm struggling to do this? Man, let that go. Because there's going to be a judgment time, there is going to be a separation time, and God is going to go after the people that went after understanding. And not the people that went after their own opinions and their own ideas. Yes? Okay. In the midst of the parable and the explanation of the parable of the wheat, there's these two parables. Matthew 13, 33. He told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven, sorry, I need to start Matthew 13, 31. Parable of the mustard seed. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds come and perch in its branches. The parable of the yeast, Matthew 13, 33. He told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed it into the 60 pounds of flour until it worked all the way through the dough. Okay, help me out. I believe the parable of the mustard seed and the parable of the yeast kind of have the same meaning. So I'm just going to ask you, what do you think this means? Think through the filter of what we've been talking about in regards to understanding. Back here, in the very back. I think the Holy Spirit is the yeast and that we're the dough that's already there. So that when he's getting mixed in like throughout our relationship in God, with God. The yeast of the Holy Spirit? Our life. Yeah. Okay, love that. I think you're on the right path over here. I think to go along with that, like, I think we have to be the ones to actually, like, knead it into our lives. Like, we have to do the work. Ooh, you guys are so smart. Yeah. yeah. You got to knead that yeast into, okay? Great. Person can change the nation. Even one person can change the nation. Okay. Ooh, that's good. How about the mustard seed? Littlest of seed comes this huge tree that even the birds can fly on. Right here? I think about, like, it doesn't really matter, like, what you have because God is able to do so much more. So even if you have, like, this small faith, but you're willing to do something with it, God's just going to, like, whoosh, and explode it. It's going to be amazing. So. Yes. I love the whoosh. Yeah. 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 Maybe the mustard seed is understanding and just seeking understanding. And if you, if that's your one thing that you have faith about, that God will give you understanding, he will give you a tree with many branches about so many things. I love this kid. Not just because he's my son, but hey, that's it. Could it be that the mustard seed or the yeast, a little bit of yeast gets worked through the whole thing? This little teeny mustard seed once planted becomes this huge thing. Could it be that Jesus is wanting us to understand that understanding starts with just a little teeny seed? Remember what he said. Those of you that get understanding, you will get what? More. 
He says you're going to get more and you'll have abundance. When you apply yourself to understanding, when you take it and you need it into your life and you let the Holy Spirit begin to direct you with a little bit of understanding, just a little bit, then what happens is it begins to penetrate and affect everything in your life. Yes? Begins to start to work in all that you are and it can actually grow to be this huge tree that other people want to get your wisdom from just that little teeny bit of understanding. But I would submit to you that Jesus was telling these parables in an order for a reason. Parable of the sower, where's your heart? Parable of the weeds, there's going to be a separation. In the middle of the parable of the sower, get understanding. You have been given the Holy Spirit so that you can receive understanding. And if you will receive it and let it apply into your life, let it knead into who you are, let it become the tree that I want it to be, then guess what? You will get more. Those who don't apply understanding, what does it say? The things they have will be taken away from them. They won't have anything. Oh, I hope you're getting this. I hope something is stirring in you that you're like, okay, I don't have to have it all figured out. I just need a little teeny piece. Holy Spirit, start giving me a little teeny piece. Give me a little understanding. Give me a little piece of whatever it is that I may be going through in my personal life or maybe the world or whatever. Whatever you want to pray about, God, give me this little bit of understanding. Get into your word. Open your heart to receive it. Let it start to work through and need through your life. And I believe that it begins to penetrate into everything that you are. I will never, ever forget my salvation experience. I told the story, you know, I, I put God to a, basically a month-long test. He provided his faithfulness or showed himself faithful and radically rocked my life. And from that moment forward, that little bit, that little seed began to penetrate in my life. And it was amazing. As that began to grow, the other things in my life dropped off. You know what we teach a lot of times is get rid of those things so that the Holy Spirit can come in and fill you up. How about this? Let the Holy Spirit come into you, fill you up so much that the other things have to leave. Let's put the focus in the right place, which is, hey, let's go after him and let him get rid of those things instead of feeling like we have to clean ourselves up. You don't have to clean yourself up. The Holy Spirit will do that as he begins to give you bits of understanding, yes? <laughs> Three more parables. Matthew 13, 44. The kingdom of heaven. Now this is after he explains the parable of the wheat. Mason's... DJ, are you playing Candy Crush back there? What's going on? No, just kidding. <laughs> Um, going back to the, uh, the mustard seed, I kind of think of that mustard seed being me. I am the mustard seed, and it doesn't matter how small of a thing that the Lord has deposited in me. When I wrap myself in him, that soil, Ooh, yeah, if yeah. I wrap it up in him, I, one of the coolest things I think about the contrast between those two parables is that in the one, the birds are, can actually steal the word. And then the other, the birds are meant to perch in the tree that the word develops. And I think the birds are the people around us that if I'm not buried in the Father, 
the word will easily be stolen. But when I bury the things he's spoken to my heart in him and only him, the whole, I, I feel like I could put a portion of myself, a small portion, or I could recognize the whole small portion is my everything. My whole self needs to be buried in this. My whole self. And that's the whole thing with needing, like the spirit, like to contrast it where I'm needing the spirit into my body, I'm like, I'm letting the Lord cover me. Yep. And then like everything would have been stolen by the bird or by the whatever. It provides an opportunity for me to be a home for that. And like, and so I think of like the unbeliever that is so hungry for the word. Like uh, Bill Johnson says, a lot of Christians will try to eat their seed and plant their bread. And I think that in a lot of areas in society, people are so hungry for the word of the Lord that a seed that's not able to grow underground is eaten because people are so hungry. And we have to bury ourselves in a soil and a heart that is ready for the Father so that we can feed and eventually give shelter to people who are the unbelievers. So sorry, that's kind of long. <laughs> Mason, you're a wise young man. You're a very wise young man. And I think actually the end of this kind of ties into exactly what that, so I'm not going to address it right now. Matthew 13, 33, he told them still another parable. Sorry, 44. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all that he had and bought that field. Then the very next verse says the parable of the pearl. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like all of these. The kingdom of heaven is like kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Real quick, help me out. These two parables, what do they mean? That we should pursue what? With abandon. We should pursue with abandon, okay? Anybody? Nothing more valuable than that understanding. Okay, Mason? The treasure in the field is worth so much more than everything else. Okay. All right. I think we probably get that picture that what he's saying here is the man goes in, finds this treasure, who he's like, hold on, let's bury that. He sells everything to get this treasure, right? Same thing with the pearl. He's looking for a pearl. He finds one of great value. He goes and sells everything so he could buy this one pearl. I felt like the Holy Spirit told me this, that a lot of times we teach our priorities wrong. We tell you that you have to go after God with everything you got. And for those that aren't quite there yet, they struggle with that idea because they just haven't got there yet. Could it be that there's a divine order to these parables and God is wanting you to understand something? If you will take a little understanding and you will let it work through who you are and let it grow up into that the mustard tree, mustard, I don't even know what you call it. Um, you let that grow up. If you will then do another little bit of understanding and let that work through you, if you will take another little mustard seed and apply it into your life and let that work, at some point, there's going to be so much life and so much joy in what you're doing that you will begin to realize, you know what? This is way more important than anything out there. But you gotta start with a little bit of understanding. And here's what I found myself thinking. We all have different compartments in our lives, whether giving, 
okay? For me personally, the idea of giving has worked itself through me. I have no issue with giving. I love to give. I love to be a generous person. That has worked in my life really, really well. But there are other areas of my life where I haven't let the understanding in yet. It's not just about one thing and then you got it all. I would submit to you, we all have different compartments in our life. How to be a good husband, how to be a good dad, how to be a good neighbor, how to be a good friend, how to be a good family member, how to give properly, how to get involved in church, how to get involved in work, how to make an impact in, the, in society, and each one of these different things in our lives. Some of them we've put understanding to and we feel really confident in. And we feel like we're a big tree that people can come and land on and get wisdom and we can give that out as you were saying, Mason. But in other areas, man, we are hard as rock and the enemy just steals it away. Church, start to apply a little bit of understanding to the different facets and categories of your life. Grab just a little, let it work through. And I believe that if you will do that, it'll begin to resonate and begin to give you such joy in your life that all of a sudden, at some point, at some point, you will go, you know what? This, this, this is all that matters. This is it. This is all that matters. I will sell everything so that I can get this. And again, what's interesting to me as I was praying through this is that I think in some areas of your life, you're probably already sold out to God. But in other areas, you struggle. DJ, right here. Thinking about that, I've been a Christian for quite a long time. And there are times when I continue to doubt and struggle in certain areas. But I started reading this and I started thinking about all of the different parables and, of course, uh, you know, the planting and all this and the growth. With one thing I think that's important to remember is that a plant doesn't grow overnight. That yes. we have to move, it's gonna be a slow process. Even in good soil, it's always a, a very slow process. Yes. You have to nurture it, you have to feed it, you have to take care of it, you know? So I think that's how it is even with each of, and every one of us. We're all in different spaces and places yes. in our lives <clears throat> and places we've been and then we're all, it's a different season all the time. Yes. So we just got to move through it slowly. Take know? the time. Take our time. Yes, I love that. Absolutely. It, it doesn't happen overnight. As you apply the understanding, it's a process. It is a process. Be okay with the process. Be okay with that. Don't be impatient with the process, I think you would probably say. Let that process happen. But could it be that Jesus was trying to get us to understand that, hey, listen, pay attention to where your heart is understand there's going to be a separation but if you apply a little bit of understanding you're going to get more and you'll keep getting more and you'll keep getting more you'll get to a place where you'll realize this is so good that you'll be willing to give it all up to keep going after this and then he tells a parable of the net once again the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was let down into the lake and caught all kinds of fish when it was full, the fishermen pulled it up on the shore. Then they sat down and collected the good fish in baskets, but threw away the bad. 
This is how it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous and throw them into the blazing furnace where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Again, I think he just reinforces here there is going to be a time where this idea of applying a little understanding is going to matter for your eternal life. And so get a hold of this. You don't have to sell everything today, but how about this? Take a little bit of understanding and start applying it. Go to the Holy Spirit and ask him for what that little nugget is. And as it begins to grow and as it begins to need and work through your life, I love how he finishes this. Jesus then, in the very next verse, looks at the disciples and says, have you, understand, have you understood all these things? <laughs> the disciples just simply say, yes. Liars. <laughs> Liars. I think they were so overwhelmed at this point. I, no, I, maybe, maybe they had divine revelation. Maybe they had all the understanding. But can you imagine this? He tells all these parables. And then he goes, have you understood all these things? The disciples were like, yep. <laughs> I want you to key on this, though. He said to them, therefore, every teacher of the law who has become a disciple in the kingdom of heaven is like the owner of a house who brings out of his storeroom new treasures as well as old. And that's how he finishes this section. Could it be that what Jesus is simply trying to tell the disciples is this. If you grab a hold of this truth, if you have the understanding of what the kingdom of heaven is like, and that you begin to apply understanding and let it work through who you are and get to the place where, man, you would sell everything to keep getting this little bit of understanding, then it's in those times that you will want to open your storehouse and give old things and new things. Basically, what I, the picture I got as I was praying through is that you know, DJ spoke last week about the talents. Whether it's something you were good at in the past or something that you become good at now, give it away. As you were saying, Mason, be the seed out at this point. Now give what God has put in you and give it out to others. We live in a world that is hurting and lost and they need to understand what God has for them. Yes? And so I would just simply close by saying this. Take whatever little that you've been given. Let it start working through you and then go tell somebody about it. Don't keep it in. Open your storehouse. If there's any little bit of understanding that you get from the Holy Spirit, go tell somebody else about it. And if you want to practice, practice right here with your family members. But God is asking you to not just tell other people who believe but to go out and tell others in this world. And do it, you know, here's where the context of the whole Bible and its entirety comes together. We do it with love. We do it with compassion. We do it with grace. We don't try to force somebody, the seed down somebody's throat, but we just take the understanding we have and we begin to show them, the world, how we're living. And when they see how it impacts us and how we act differently, then guess what? They'll have a hunger and they'll have a desire and maybe you begin to be the one that gets to plant the seed in their life. Amen? All right. Hey, thank you guys so much for giving time. Uh, Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for these parables. God, I thank you for the fact that 
you want us to have a deep understanding of the end game <laughs> during the end times, and that is that we would go after you. I'm once again reminded of Matthew 6 where it says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. So Lord, I pray for these people listening to me right now, and I pray that you would put a desire and a hunger to go after understanding, to open their heart, to not let a hard heart hinder what you have for them, or the cares of this world, or desires for wealth, or money, or toys, or whatever it would be, or trials, or tribulations. Let none of that steal away from us the little bits of understanding you want to give us. Help us to open our hearts to hear your voice. God, give us a hunger for your word. Give us a hunger to get into your word. And God, as you begin to give us understanding, help us to work it through us and bring us to a place where we would give up everything because we're getting so much word from you, so much understanding from you. And then Lord, ultimately, Help us to receive it, put it into our hearts so that we can be a light into this world. And Lord, we thank you. We thank you that you use us to reach this world. We pray these things in your name. Amen.